0: everyone, and welcome to the show. As you can see, I'm not on Das Boat. I'm not on the showboat this time, and we kind of crashed two weeks in a row, so it was not a good idea after all. So I did, uh, you know, a little behind the scenes. Um, I did uh, rent. Uh, I have a year commitment on a studio that I'll be using um, from now on, so you can rely on the shows without the internet going out and other Hopefully, no other catastrophes happen during the show. So this is this is a fun. Uh, this is going to be a fun show. It's a two part show. So if you're watching live in YouTube, um, after this hour is over, you're going to have to jump over to another stream. Uh, for right now, we have Paul Askov on, and he have, is a longtime uh, UK UFO researcher. Been at it a long time, and he has uh, he has a book out, and he's going to be talking about that, and also his thoughts on the ufo topic and what they possibly are and all that Uh, it's always interesting to hear from different people and i like speaking to people over over the other side of the pond uh, about this i heard that this year over there they actually have clear weather i had a listener write me the other day and said it's been crystal clear over here we can finally see ufo's if they happen to fly over and so anyway it's been nice weather over here and where I am in the east coast of the United States. It's been kind of a very strange summer. This morning I was driving through New Hampshire and I noticed some trees turning color, fall color. Uh, I I had to stop and, and take a picture. I just couldn't believe it was this early. And uh, someone that I know said they saw Halloween candy in a store already. So I don't know what's going on. It seems to be some type of time slip or something happening. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone that supports the show. This uh, this week's uh, blog that we have from Charles Lear is called uh, UFOs and Esotericism. So again, this is part A of a two-part show. And my guest is uh, Paul Askoff, and I'm bringing him in right now. Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Good evening and thank you for having me, Martin.
0: You bet. Now you are, Is it's late there, isn't it? Is it like uh, 11 o'clock or something? What time is it over there?
1: Yeah, it's just after 11 o'clock in evening, 11 p.m.
0: Well, thank you for uh, staying up uh, to share your uh, your stories with us. Uh, so, Paul, why don't you give, uh, for someone that has never heard anything about you, why don't you tell your background and what actually got you interested in UFOs, and then we can go from there.
1: Okay. Um, Essentially, I have just retired. I've been medical all my work in life, qualified nurse, occupational health nurse, qualified paramedic. However, um, I was also in the military for 13 years, and different groups, Buford, British UFO Research Association, and I think it's as you mature as I've got older and I. I have now got more time to put into this to research and obviously to write the book. Um, now, I first got into UFOs purely by chance, not interested, not in the slightest. My father had just moved us to the edge of a small village and I was 11 years old. And I can remember quite clearly a lot of years ago, 1968, and... We'd move to the edge of the village. Our last job, myself and my brother, our last job of the day was to take our dog and the neighbour's dog for a walk. We'd come back in, say goodnight to our parents, go to bed. That was the routine. This evening, my father was out at the front in the garden and from our home it looked due east and the terrain was quite flat. You could see for miles, a long way. No other... Towns or villages close by, very good uh, for looking at the stars, very little light pollution in those days, and certainly no traffic, air traffic like there is now. We had come, we'd tamed the dogs, put them away, gone into the front garden to say goodnight to our father. As we were looking due east to the north, straight in front of us and to the north, the sky was completely covered in thick cloud. Straight in front of us and to the south, the sky was completely clear and it was just becoming dusk. The major constellations were out and my father was actually pointing up in the sky to to see. He wasn't an astronomer or anything. He did have a telescope, but it was one of these guys that when he had an interest, that he wanted to evolve, you know, involve these children. So the three of us were actually looking at the first stars coming out and all of a sudden two UFOs, came out of this bank of cloud and then just stopped dead. They were moving uh, probably due south, or pretty much due south, very, very quickly. And they were like almost in a V formation, uh, one slightly to one side and slightly behind the other, if you can imagine one missing. So you could see nothing joining them together, but they stayed the same relative position throughout. They came zooming out of the clouds, brilliant, pearly white, and then just stopped dead. No deceleration, boom, they were still. As that happened, I got annoyed, uh, um what I can only describe, because that's how I felt, a friendly, masculine voice, quite clearly in my head, that said, or gave the impression, oops, we weren't meant to have come out of the cloud, we weren't meant to have been seen. And that was all I got. They were still for a few seconds while they were still, they were perfectly spherical. And then they moved directly away from us, going due east alongside this bank of cloud. And the light from them, you could actually see it reflected on the surface of the cloud. There was no apparent rotation, no noise whatsoever, no flashes of light whatsoever. And the only thing that actually changed was, as they moved, there was the smallest little teardrop shape appeared at the back, like it had an atmosphere around it almost, or they did. Uh, And that shape was at the back as they moved away from us. The actual magnitude of brightness didn't change at all. And we had them in sight until they disappeared to a coal-fired power station in the distance. So maybe only in sight for a minute, a minute and a half maximum. And we were all three completely silent, mouths agape as you can imagine, looking at the sky. And my father was the first to speak. uh, And he just said, well, there's nothing that we have that can do that. And what I take from that was, it was so bizarre it was so odd and for want of a better term it was so obviously alien there was nothing we have anything like it was by any remote stretch of the imagination it was so far out there it was obvious it was alien and from that moment on i wanted to know why i didn't know about it why it wasn't in the news why it wasn't in why wasn't it in the newspapers and that was when I mean, in those days, there was no internet or anything. So that was a case of getting on the local transport to the larger cities to try and even find a book on UFOs. I mean, our local village did have a small library, but they certainly didn't stock any books about anything esoteric, anything paranormal or anything, certainly nothing UFOs. So you had to go out there and order them and go out there and try and find them. And that's how... I became interested, and that's how I was reading and reading uh, from that age onwards. And that's how I got into it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, If there's one thing to convince someone, it's having their own sighting like that. And did anyone else in the group, you said there was three of you all together, right? Yeah. Did anyone else in that group um, get that message that that you got, or did, did you talk about it?
1: Yep. We told, I was the only one that heard anything. And it ah. was as, as plain as you're talking to me now, Martin. Quite clear in my head. But it was directly in my head.
0: Ah. Wow. It's, so, it's
1: like you can't so, explain it. And like, like I can't explain how I thought it was a, a friendly masculine voice. But that was the impression that I got.
0: So that were you... To me, a young a, a young kid, I, I would think that that would really scare that would really scare me um, mm. to actually hear that and see something at the same time. Uh, how did that affect you?
1: Well, that's the the other side of the coin. Was I wasn't scared in the slightest. It it, ah. saw, mm-hmm. it fired this interest, if you like, uh, where yeah. I, I wanted to know the physics behind it, the nuts and bolts. And I'm not a physicist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not even an engineer, a frustrated engineer, maybe. But huh. it, it was just I wanted to know how can something move like that? How can something stop like that? I mean, there was no acceleration. It was moving extremely quickly or stationary. End of story. Uh, and the, its appearance as well. Uh, and what and that,
0: about your your the, the other person that was with you? Um, did that? Person also have an interest in the topic after. And what about your dad?
1: My father did. Uh, Mm -hmm. My dad then went off, and the first book he bought was the uh, Eric von Daniken *Chariots of the Gods*.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe not such a great choice, but I mean, it's still a very interesting book. Yes.
1: So I mean, that was good because he tried to get all of his books as they came out. uh Uh, it gave me some extra reading material as well yeah yeah now the thing was uh as time went on uh i mean i was 12 then 13 then 14 and as a teenager you tend not to discuss things as much with your parents it's part of the growing up thing you know Um, and so i tended to keep myself to myself and my parents i didn't my father worked shifts and I I started work early as a nursing cadet and so we didn't actually see that much of each other so my parents really weren't involved with uh, or even knew that I was that much into UFOs and that much into reading that, all the things I did
0: yeah yeah um and so so let's let's hear well first of all why don't you pick up your book, show your book, and because I want to ask you about your book and and sure, oh, there it is right there, and it's called UFOs: The Real Story. So that's what I want to know—the real story. So let's hear the real story. <laughs>
1: okay, well, this is where it starts to get complicated. Okay, if you, if you imagine the the thing I've tried to do in the book is to put it in layman's language because what we do get, and I'm not taking anything away from some fantastic authors that are out there and investigators and people that have done a lot of serious research and good work. However, you tend to get people that just have one piece of the puzzle or one piece of the pie or the pizza, as it were, because you tend to get people that will do UFOs in an area or the Pascagoula sighting with Calvin Parker and Charlie Hickson or the Roswell incident or the Belgian UFO wave, uh, Socorro saucer, and Lonnie Zamora. And you tend to get these specific uh, things like Rendlesham Forest, there's another one. And instead of looking at the whole picture where I believe that... Um, If you look at the bigger picture, you're looking at that. You have to look at the paranormal. You have to look at cryptids, you know, uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot. You have to look at Mothman, the Dogman, all these other things at the same time because they do all connect. And what I've tried to do is write something in layman's language that just puts out the basics uh, for people that they can just pick up and digest it they can understand it because if i believe that if you look start getting too deep into the scientific terminology and trying to explain things then it becomes difficult for the reader who wants to pick up a book and learn if he picks up a book and he has to think about it or she have to, has to think about it then it, they have to concentrate and it becomes more difficult and then they just put the book down and they i'll come back to that in a minute when i when I'm more in the mood for it. So what I tried to do was write something that encompasses the whole field in layman's language. Right. Would you like me to start how I explain it?
0: Well, sure. But I'm, I, I think this is something that's actually really needed because I will tell you, as I, I've said many times in the show, that I'm constantly getting um, new listeners because there are new there are new people. People interested in this field for the first time because of the media. I'm going to be talking to our second guest about the media. Uh, he's not really that happy with the media as far as this topic goes. But anyway, uh, there are so many people that uh, you know. A lot of people will write me and say, "Well, where's the best place for me to start?" You know that that type of thing. And and you know, one of the, I always caution people about what they're watching on YouTube because there's so many, you know, CGI and fakes and uh, hoaxers out there. It's all mixed in together. So, but they're, uh, you know, they are always curious as to, you know, what is a good book to read? That's a, a common question that I get. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you are targeting that sort of uh, that sort of audience.
2: Yeah.
1: well, I've tried to do is en- encompass different things. On the spiritual, on the uh, UFOs specifically, but it's just to encompass all things. So do you want me to carry on with a, a brief explanation, Mark? Oh,
0: sure, yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay. We normally use, everybody uses our electromagnetic spectrum to a certain greater or lesser degree. It's around us, we understand it. Uh At the high end, you've got the radio waves that we're using now, and then it comes down through the infrared to the visible light and acoustic spectrum that everybody deals with and corresponds with on a daily basis. And then you go down through the ultraviolet, x-rays, and then the gamma rays at the bottom end. Now, that's our normal electromagnetic spectrum that everybody on the planet uses. The thing is that the visible light and acoustic spectrum actually account for less than one-tenth of one percent. So of what is available to the normal Joe public, we know less than one-tenth of 1% that we deal with on a daily basis. Okay,
0: Can you you just clarify, are you saying, so we are seeing just that part of the spectrum only, is what you're saying, of the total spectrum?
1: Absolutely. That's
0: amazing because I brought that up many times in the show, but I never knew the percentages.
1: Yeah. Now, it's actually less than that, but to put it in, I'm trying to round it up into figures that people would understand. Mm-hmm. So that's one-tenth of 1% of the 100% that we normally deal with on a day-to-day basis. Amazing. Now, everything, uh, we are getting better. As you'll know, the Hubble telescope, even in nurseries and all, and photographers are starting to use the infrared just above our normal frequencies and the ultraviolet just below our normal frequencies. And that way, these nurseries and People that are growing these plants and all this other produce that we can get now out of season is because of the way they do that. And Hubble uh, in the telescope, and also uh, with the latest report for the uh, UAP task force, where they're looking at the gun cameras that the military use, apart from normal spectrum that we see, they also use infrared. as a a different frequency that they can pick up if they see things. So that is just a way of us looking at or understanding what we actually see. Now it gets more complicated than that as the deeper you go down the rabbit hole because the cosmologists now are saying I've heard figures and you'll hear it change all the time between 75 and even as high as 95% of the universe is dark energy and dark matter.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Now if you imagine that dark energy and dark matter is with what we see is your 100%, but we of the known energy and matter and things that we see and what we deal with on a daily basis is only 5%. That means we're only seeing one-tenth of one percent of the five percent so there's all that other out there <laughs> so we've seen absolutely nothing just an infinitesimal tiny tiny amount now my theory is if you like if you want to call it that that this 95 percent that at the moment we're only scratching the surface of and becoming aware of uh, i'll use the term et as a coverall because I do believe there are different races of ET contacting us and going through our space all the time. Now, ET, you you just think, if we sidestep a fraction, how far we've come as a human race in the last 100 years. A 100 years ago, where you are now, Martin, if you had a horse, that was your normal transport, if you had one. Otherwise, it was a long walk to the railroad. Very few people had their own car. And if you wanted to communicate with anybody, it was the Wells Fargo or whoever else, and it took forever. Now, we've got the things where we can talk almost instantly to anybody in the world at any time. And all everybody's got their own transport. We're flying around the earth. We've, we've come that far just in 100 years. So you yeah. imagine a race that maybe even if they're only a 1,000 years in front of us, but they quite plausibly could be 10,000 years in front of us. So you imagine a race that's that far, that far advanced, they can completely understand the whole of the electromagnetic spectrum, not just our 5%. They understand dark energy and dark matter. Not only can they understand it, they can control it. They can use it. They know exactly what, what they're doing, and that is why I believe ET is around us constantly, but it's on a different level to us. Right? Does that make sense so far? Now? I'm going to go a bit further. Yeah.
0: Oh yes, yes, and and um, I I do. I do get a lot of what you're saying. It 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 totally makes sense. But but I and I will comment when you when you get through. So keep keep going.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right then, we'll use an analogy of uh, an old LP, a record, the old round vinyl record with the hole in the center and the grooves all along it. Now, if you imagine that is the actual plane that we're on now, that is part of our electromagnetic spectrum so you sat there me sat here the computer what we're hearing in the air around us everything has a magnetic field the building we sat in and to a certain extent we can measure it that is why you'll hear people when they meet someone and they'll say and we use these phrases all the time they were on my wavelength yeah you know and that's how my magnetic field would react with your magnetic field so that you know immediately, even without speaking, if you're going to get on with somebody or not, whatever the case may be, because you're at the same frequency, you know, and that is how the universe works. And this energy is around us all the time. So that LP is just our 5% of the magnetic field we truly know about. However, there's another 95% of the dark energy and dark matter that ET know about and we don't. So not only is there the one LP where we are, but there's another one and another one and another one. So there's a whole stack of records, all at different frequencies. And that is why we often hear both from the spiritual and paranormal side of things and from ET, of the different vibration, different frequencies, and it literally is just them, if you like, tuning down to us and to our frequency so that we can correspond with them. Does that make
2: sense?
0: Yes. Um, the only thing I'd like to add uh, when you were first were talking about all this is that it's not incomprehensible that um, an intelligence could be a million years in, in advance totally. of us not just a thousand you know yeah. in in my opinion because of the way the uh you know we know how the universe has developed and we're a very young solar system compared yeah. to many so it's not un- unreasonable or even longer than that if you wanted to get technical yeah. about it, it that that is a possibility but yeah i'm 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 with you on on this stuff it's very interesting to me
1: Right, so to take it further, if you imagine, we'll go back to the analogy of using the vinyl record. The grooves in the record are part of life's lessons, if you like. Each one of those is a separate life, a separate lesson that you're on, and the whatever you want to call him, God, Allah, Buddha, whatever, purity is the center. And evil is on the outside. So we are somewhere on the surface of our 5% record, endeavouring to reach the centre by our own efforts. So ET is bound by the same rules. They are trying to advance exactly the same as we are. Our goal in life, if you like, is to improve by your own effort. So it's not nothing to do with religion. Religion don't come into it. It doesn't make any difference what religion you are. It's still the same to the center of the record for everybody. So it's just part of your personal growth and you being aware that that is how you can by, by helping people, by your morals, your ethics, you can lift your vibration and move yourself. Towards the centre of the record, does that make sense?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's. A, I, I agree that it's a theory. I don't know if I, I if I if I totally agree yeah. with it, but it's interesting. So, um, yeah. but yeah, and I, I'm listening, and 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 please continue. Sure.
1: Sure. So, this is how I believe we we are somewhere on there, and each life you will come back. And whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. This is what's happening. And it's same with ET. There's this universal law that we all will learn. That is part of the thing with. Uh, when you look at the abductees and everything else. If you imagine, as you said, a race that may be a million years ahead of us in time. How would they interact with us without... Hurting us. And we've we've heard all the different strange things with different types of ET and different types of experience. However, if you look at it, some sort of our equivalent would be if you have a, a nature reserve, a park near you, and people will come along and they'll put the nets out and they'll catch birds, bats, they'll look at them, they'll look at the different species, they'll weigh them make sure that they're thriving, that they're good for the community and the ecosystem supporting them, and then they just let them go. Is it quite plausible that ET has this, if you like, a bizarre act of kindness that they don't let us remember and that that is the very similar mechanism? I've, I've simplified it, but it's just to get the analogy over for what may be happening.
0: Yeah well a question i have on on this particular thought is uh why us i mean if there is intelligent life all over the universe uh which could very well be um just just by the odds of of the numbers of the stars and planets that supposedly are out there and habitable planet habitable planets that could be out there Uh, Why would we be so special that they'd be paying attention to us, in your opinion?
1: In my opinion, we're not special at all. We are there. I agree. (laughs) We've been here. We're the new kids on the block, really. And the thing is that it's no good having all these technological advances if you're going to go around being evil and killing people and all the rest of it. That would... Defeat the object you have to advance spiritually, you have to advance yourself as well, and you can't have uh, the people that are so far advanced with so much technology that that are evil that go that want to do people harm that that defeats the object that's not what we're about. Good will always win evil in the end, and I think As part of the normal human psyche, even in competitive sports and everything else that we do, the people that uh, do advance by doing good turns and helping other people and doing good things rather than cheating, whatever, that, that makes you feel good inside. And that's why you feel good inside, because you know not only are you helping somebody else, you're helping yourself as well. And I think that's a natural thing and a natural aspiration for us as humans. And so that is why it's natural for us to advance towards, as we learn uh, to move towards the centre of the record.
0: Well, I'd certainly like to see that. I mean, the 20th century was the most violent century that was ever on record. And, you know, uh, I'm hoping the 21st is going to not come anywhere near that. You know, it would be, it would be nice if, if we could go in a direction of, of more peace, that's for sure. Yeah. So
1: if, if I just carry on with the explanation of the UFOs.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So, So if you have somebody, uh, We'll say these abductees. I'll just touch on the abductees. I was very fortunate when I was with Bufora to meet Bud Hopkins, mm-hmm. and we have uh, like the Dolores Cannon, Bud Hopkins, Kath Marden, more recently. But they will all say um, that the when they've been interviewing abductees, that the everything was done by thought. That's why there was no, there was never any problem with language. Because they don't need to use language, it's it's the whole picture of part of the thing that goes into your head. So you don't need language because you're getting the whole comprehension of what they're trying to put over. So language doesn't come into it. So that is why we've never had a problem of, uh, throughout history, of anybody with any communication, with any ET, abductees, whatever, Everybody's always been able to communicate. And that is why. Because thought is an energy. Everything that we think. And the intention behind it. Again. As Einstein said. Everything is energy. So when you're putting that out there. When you're thinking the right thoughts. If you like. You're thinking good things. That's what you get back. That's what what people don't understand. And you get negative people. That are having Bad things, and they say, Oh, it's bad karma and bad luck. And it's like, No, you're doing not very nice things and you're being negative. So that's what you're thinking. That's your intention. That's what you're receiving back. And this, there's a whole industry of the power of positive thinking, if you like, that sprung up behind that. So going on with that thought, and when I was, Bud Hopkins, when I was speaking to him, He said, Paul, I got into the field of UFOs quite by accident, really. He was an artist, and he said, I wanted to be a counsellor, again, to help people. And it was more down the counselling line that he wanted to go. But he said, when different people from different geographical locations, different countries and cities were telling me exactly the same thing from whatever walks of life, He said, they didn't know each other. He says, there's no way they would have met and been able to exchange stories. He said, but when these people are all telling you the same thing, there's got to be something else to it. And then, obviously, Dolores Cannon and Cap Marden have said exactly the same thing. So, but one thing that they are constantly being told is everything's done by thought. So... For us as normal human beings, we, we're we nowhere near that level yet. However, if you think about it, there are times when uh, we've had contactees and abductees have had close contact with things like the Rendlesham Forest where he put his hand on the craft and he said it got a download. And that is because the ET is completely in control of that craft and everything with it by by their mind by their thought so immediately his magnetic field is interacting with the magnetic field of the et and the craft if you like and that's why you got the download and that is why uh, i'll go on to the movement of ufos uh i keep saying ufos they've brought this new thing out uap And I believe unidentified aerial phenomena is actually much more accurate. However, Mm -hmm. now I've said that, I will always use the term UFO because if you go, Martin, to your local shopping mall and stop the first 100 people that walk through the door and say, what's a UFO? 99 out of that 100 will know what a UFO is. If you said UAP, 99 out of 100 will go... What are you talking about? So that's why I always yeah. use the term UFO. Anyway, I'm digressing. So UFOs, yes, they're unidentified, yes, they're objects, but no, they don't fly. That's what we do. And their physics, because they're able to understand and manipulate and control the magnetic spectrum, everything's done with thought. So they don't have any problems. They're in their own little pocket of universe, if you like their own little pockets of energy that's completely isolated from everything around it. So there's no gravity involved. They can fly through space. They can fly through our normal atmosphere. They can fly through our lakes and seas. No problems whatsoever because it's irrelevant. And it's the same when you see them stop dead, reverse, move at 10,000 miles an hour. They're only moving at 10,000 miles an hour to us. That's what we perceive. They're not using our physics. And they make me laugh when you, they get these people on the television documentaries and they say, oh, there was no visible flight surfaces, there was no heat plume, there was no... It's a load of rubbish. There won't ever, ever be any of that, because they're not using our physics. It do not correlate. They don't use it. They are completely controlled by thought, and that is why, being in their own pocket of energy, speed, whatever maneuverability don't come into it, it's irrelevant they're completely isolated and to them they're not moving it's only what we perceive their movement as they move through our, through our part of the uh, magnetic field
0: so uh, in, in that in particular how, how do they get here?
1: well that's they, the other thing
0: they right? think their think way here? yes yeah. in your in your thoughts,
1: yeah, absolutely, and the other thing is, going back to the stack of records, the stack of records are all on different frequencies, so all they have to do is tune down if you like from there might be two or three stacks in the record above us, so all they do is detune it and they come down i mean we have lots of instances uh There was the uh, Deckmont Woods incident with Robert Taylor where he said initially there was nothing. He could just see an impression and then he could see an outline of a vehicle like it was see-through, but it was transparent and then it solidified. There was another one, the Gaffney incident in the US where there were police and other people reported UFOs and then a young couple saw them. And initially they just saw the outline of a disc-shaped craft coming towards them. And it solidified as it came through the trees, because if you think about it, it's coming down into our spectrum, it's becoming visible, and what happened was as it came through the brush and the undergrowth where they were, the trees burst into flames. Which, again, if you look at it logically, immediately above our visible light spectrum is the infrared, which generate heat. So they were you know rung nine one one. They rang the fire service, they rang the police, they turned up. The UFO had long gone by then and all that was left was a burning shrubbery. The fire service put it out, they made a statement to the police. But I'm just saying this is one way of how they move and how they're in complete control and able to manipulate the magnetic spectrum. And it's only when they come down through it into our bit. I believe they're out there all the time. And we should be able to go out 365 nights a year with good skies and see craft up there if we knew the right frequency to look at. And it's only occasionally when they're going through our tiny one tenth of one percent that we actually see it.
0: Interesting. Well, that's really an interesting theory. And I do believe that as our equipment will advance, I mean, since where our equipment has advanced, we are seeing more, the military is seeing more UFOs. So yeah. I do believe that the more advanced we get, the more we will see. I want to address something really qu- quickly <clears throat> that came up in the chat room, and I, I talked about this last week, and I'll, I'll talk about it again quickly, is uh, the Travis Walton, um, uh, the claim that uh, Mike Rogers Mike Heston Rogers, the truck driver of that Travis Walton incident, is claiming that Travis um, hoaxed this, and I'm on Travis's side. I do believe that uh, Mike Rogers has some issues, and I'm not afraid to say that he already has sent me some uh, pretty uh, strong mail. I will say um, so. Anyway, uh, he Mike is is not is not well, and says some some things that are not. So, for instance, he was saying, um, you know, the UFO looked real, um, but I know it was a hoax. I mean, why would anyone have a fake UFO in the middle of the woods if they were just going to hoax something? They wouldn't even need it. Anyway, um, stick with Travis Walton on this one. And so we'll just move on from there. Thank you.
1: I'm absolutely 100 percent with you. And I believe Travis Walton was telling the truth. And bless him. uh, I believe that Mike Rogers is a case of sour grapes, in my opinion yeah however we time the truth will come out and time will tell
0: right and and poor travis has gone through this before he walked away from this whole topic because it's it was uh emotionally draining to him this type of thing and uh he, he tries not to give he tries to give the energy back you talk about energy you know he tries to give that back in a positive way and he doesn't make money. If people think he's making money, yeah. it's, it's he's retired. He He's at these conferences and things because he wants to be, but not, not because, I mean, they pay his airfare and pay his meals, but he doesn't make any money. That's kind of silly. People think he, he he's done the whole thing just for money, and yeah. um, very little money has come out of that for him, actually. Um, so uh, I think what we're going to do, uh, did you have, uh, you, you had like an appendix uh, you wanted to follow up on? was there one more part of this uh that you're talking about and i do think your your theory is fascinating i'm i'm very interested sure. in it um but okay. are you are you basically done with that because i'd like to take calls fairly soon if you are
1: yeah can i just have 2 minutes I'll, just the last few
0: minutes you bet. To take your time sure
1: okay to go on from that if you imagine that these records in certain places, geographical locations, you'll have places like Skinwalker that's famous over your neck of the woods and there are other places, there are lots and lots of them all around the world and I believe this is where the records, if you like, that are in the stack are almost touching and that's why you get the reports of, you get high paranormal activity lots of UFO activity you get cryptids, dogman uh, Sasquatch And I think this is one of the things that, as an investigator, when you're out there, one of the uh, more common things that we get is absolute silence. And I've had this when people have been going, just looking for Sasquatch, looking for Bigfoot, and also in the paranormal, but also in UFOs as well. And people will say there was no noise. And by no noise, I mean complete silence. There was no wind in the trees. There was no birds in the air. There was no background, of no traffic, zip, nothing. And it's yes. because you are there then getting very close to where you shouldn't be. You're getting very close to tuning out of your frequency and you're in a different one altogether. And that's why there's nothing on the acoustic spectrum because there's nothing for you to hear on our acoustic spectrum, if that makes sense. Also, the other thing... How, on a chemical level, we as humans have the fight or flight syndrome, uh, where if you're backed into a corner, you get that boost of adrenaline. That's on the chemical level. On a a spiritual level, if you like, your soul is also an electromagnetic thing. It's an electromagnetic energy. When you get to that stage where you're also at that level... You will also always get, I'm not saying all every time, but you do get instances where people have seen Bigfoot, people have seen ghosts, people have seen UFOs, and they have this absolute terror, this visceral terror, this real fear. And I think that's coming from a different place where your higher self, your soul recognizes, you strain into a different frequency and it's unsafe. You're straying into other territory and other vibrations where you sh- you shouldn't normally be. And your soul recognizes that. And that's why people get as afraid as they do.
0: Well, let me tell you, I had, I had, uh, I had an experience. I don't want to call it a ghost. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was in a house where someone had lived and I don't know if they passed away or whatever it was, but I actually had like a door slam and, and all types of things happen right right when i was right there and, and there was no way that it could have happened on its own but you're saying they're where they're not supposed to be but that's a home someone is supposed to be in a home so i don't i don't really understand what you're thinking is if you no, could right. clarify that,
1: that yeah that's no problem that's again it's on a spiritual level uh that's just on a maybe a lower frequency but it's where if you like where the record people have or spirit have this connection to places, a part of their memory. And I believe you do get ghost and you do get spirit. You'll get ghost where, if you imagine, uh, I had a a haunting of a monk in uh, a building that was made from the cloisters of a monastery. And people used to see the monk in this building. But if you've got somebody, like if you lived in your home now for another 50 years, Your energy is imprinted on the fabric of that building. So in the right circumstances, I think it's quite plausible that somebody could pick up that energy and think, yes, that man was there. However, a spirit is separate. A spirit is free thinking as we are. They're just not in the same place that we are. They're on a different frequency. And it's only occasionally when the circumstances are right right, that if you like, the two records come together and we're able to have that where they can move things, they have that attachment to things, it can be furniture, it can be building, it can be places where they live. And that is why we have these hauntings. Now, there's there's a lot more to it than that, but it's just, again, it's just on the electromagnetic frequency and understanding that that is how... They can inhabit the same place that we inhabit and affect it, but we can't necessarily see them. But occasionally we do get this contact that affects us because we're changing our vibration. So then it's like, what happened then, you know?
0: So, in, uh, well, first of all, I just want to say the line is open if anyone wants to call, and we, could take, uh, we can take at least one call. If you'd like to call in, that number is 855-472-5483, Bill, standing by. Uh, So, for instance, your own childhood sighting, is that what you think, that you weren't supposed to be there and they were telling you that, like, whoops, uh, we didn't mean to be seen, you know, that type of thing?
1: I think it was just that they they were on our frequency and for whatever reason, different people... Pick up different things. I've had a lot of paranormal experiences as well. And there are a lot of those in my book as well as UFO sightings in my book. And I think people need to be more open to this. How we see, uh, especially now with the younger generations, where everybody's on the phone with their head down like this, looking down. People need to be, the electromagnetic frequencies around us and with all the equipment that we have, really, really do affect us. And people need to get out into nature, away from the towns and cities and away from everything else and look at the skies and just enjoy nature. And I'm absolutely certain they would see a lot more if they had the time or made the time to look, look at the skies, look at things.
0: Yeah, that's how I end every show. Keep your eyes to the sky. Uh, we have a uh, Joe calling um, on the line from Michigan Joe, you're live on the air right now. Welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, how are you today? Uh, All right, Joe. Martin, I wanted to ask Paul about uh, if he knows anything about the Marine, Jonathan wagon and the Peru crash retrieval. Uh, the story he speaks of in one of the uh, in Greer's uh, serious serious uh, episodes. Uh, a lot of the things that uh, Jonathan Wagon talks about, happening to him when he was right on top of the craft is almost exactly like Paul is talking about and that's got me really wondering listening to this and I'd like Paul to comment if he's familiar with uh Jonathan Wagon and the Peru crash retrieval I believe in 1997 was it that's all I
0: wanted to ask I'm not familiar with that are you
2: I'm not
1: actually, but I will be looking for it now. (laughs) Yeah. But but can I just say, I believe there's been lots and lots of trash retrievals that we will never find out about. And they've since 1952, in reality, the American government really clamped down there after the Washington, D.C. sightings. I mean, you have to think. Washington, D.C. 1952, a lot of people and a lot of men and a lot of very professional capacity as observers had just been demobbed and there were hundreds of sightings around Washington, D.C. That was July 1952. The official explanation was a temperature inversion. Right. But the at the end of the day, since then, I believe we've had this aggressive covering up of, of things like these crash retrievals that have been going on in all countries all over the world, and we will never find out because they're trying to, that's why they've got this attitude now of ridicule, and putting mm-hmm. things down. And uh, Dr. Irina Scott, she released a fabulous book, uh, and it's, the subtitle was 70 Years of Lies, Misinformation.
0: That's right, yeah. And
1: they're really, really good at it. They've had seventy years to practice this. That's, so that's right.
0: We only have a few. We, we only have a few minutes left, and we have uh, one other caller. Uh, thanks for that call, Joe. We have Bear calling from Michigan. Bear, are you there? I always wanted to say that, and you are on the air, Bear.
3: Hi. Yeah. Um, hi. I've just had a. Well, first of all, um, I, I missed the first part of the show, so I'm afraid I don't know uh, the guest name it's However, it's
0: about UFOs
3: I okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, all
0: right no go ahead I'm sorry uh,
3: but, go ahead. oh no you're go ahead. fine um I, I really am on board with what your guest is saying about frequencies and vibrations in fact I've been talking about this for a little while and I had a question um for him so go right ahead. we all have our uh our own frequencies that we inhabit and I've got a theory that uh, people um, uh, who kind of get into new age stuff uh, and try to tune their frequencies to, the, to those of uh, people around them are increasing uh, un- uh, amplitude unnecessary, uh, unnecessarily in our spectrum. And that's causing a lot of uh, hurt, uh, perturbations in our universe and, and maybe causing some, uh, some some bad things to happen. And I wanted to know if he's, if he's ever heard of anybody oscillating that.
0: just one quick thing we only have like a minute and a half here so okay yeah well,
1: very very briefly i think the hot the environment you're in because you are part of the electromagnetic spectrum and the energy that you use and the energy around you affects you all the time so if you've got negative energy and bad things happening around you and you're in the wrong place that's what you will get and so you your environment that you're in will To a certain extent, always affect your energy and your outcomes and your thinking. It's got to do.
0: Very good. Very interesting. So uh, let's give your name of your book out uh, one more time. And uh, people can catch that on Amazon, right?
1: Yep. It's available. It's called UFOs The Real Story. And it's available on Amazon as a hardback, paperback, ebook, or audible and it's different.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, thanks so much. And I really appreciate it. I think you have a very interesting, uh, very interesting theories. And um, I'm glad I like to hear hear new things. So that was really good. Thank you very much. And uh, good luck with your book. Take care.
1: Thank you, Martin. You take care too.